Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Not that long ago, Berlin was a capital renowned for its low rents. But these days, the city ranks as the second most expensive city in Germany and among the 50 priciest in the world. A chronic shortage of affordable housing that city officials pledge to fix but haven't make it difficult for Berliners to rent or buy properties here. The Daily Tagesspiegel, as part of a Europe-wide journalism project called Cities for Rent, also found Berlin's housing crisis to be closely tied to the financial market. So what can be done to stop the housing shortage and skyrocketing prices in Berlin and elsewhere in Europe? Joining me via Zoom from Brussels to discuss the crisis is Barbara Steinbergen, who heads the EU Liaison Office of the International Union of Tenants. Welcome, Barbara. Good morning, Soraya. And with me in the studio today are Vipke Vano, who is Deputy Manager of the Berlin Tenants Union, Kalle Kunkel with Expropriate Deutsche Wohnen Company, and veteran and TV newspaper journalist Eric Kirschbaum, who is also a property owner in Berlin. Welcome to you all. Hi. Hello. Hello. Vipke, let's start with you. Is the apartment shortage in Berlin at the moment the worst you've seen? Yes, you can say that because um, the rents are rising for years now or six years now and it's going only in one direction. It goes up and now we have an additional problem with the rising energy prices and a lot of Berlin households really get in trouble now how to how they can afford their rents and how can they afford the energy cost in the future. Well, according to a recent analysis, rents in 12 out of 13 Berlin Keatses or districts are more than 30 percent of the average net income of Germans. What is happening to renters or would-be renters as a result of the rising rents and shortage in general? I mean, are we seeing more evictions? Are we seeing people move out to the countryside? You know, what is happening? How are they able to afford it, especially since utility prices are going up, as you mentioned? The flexibility is going down. Um, the people don't know how to find a new apartment. If they need a bigger apartment, the people don't know how to afford their rent. So they have to uh, save it from the daily costs. They cannot go to the cinema anymore. They can maybe not go on holiday anymore. And the flexibility on the rental market is just gone. It might be low level rent, but you also have to keep in mind the income situation of the Berlins. And it's a low income situation. And there for, yeah, it's really getting a critical situation for lots of households here in Berlin. And I'm really deep in sorrow about what will happen in the future. Eric, you're coming at this from the other perspective, you know, from another perspective, I should say. Are you finding it uh, easier to find renters? I mean, are they knocking down your door trying to rent your properties? And if you can describe your situation a little bit, like how many properties you have available? Yeah, I've got um, a few apartments and houses that I'm, I'm renting out and um I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to create living space. And I still think Berlin is an extremely affordable and inexpensive city compared to the U.S. and compared to a lot of other big cities in Europe. Berlin is really cheap, if you ask me. And 30% of your income for the rent is not exorbitant. I know people in America pay 50% of their income for rent, which is very high. And, you know, people in Berlin and Germany still go on vacation. They still do all these other kind of things. I know a lot of Americans that can't afford vacation. So rising cost of living is, is a fact of life all around the world. 
world and actually rising rental prices in Berlin is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a sign of economy that's growing. Berlin in the 90s was stagnant. The rents were falling. There was no investment in the buildings. That's why so many apartments were privatized in Berlin because the city of Berlin couldn't afford to keep these expensive buildings on their books anymore. And so the privatization of a lot of these properties led to their improvement. 30% of your income is not an exorbitant amount of, of well, well, money. Well, it is when the landlords generally are looking for you to spend no more than 25 of your net income in order to give you an apartment, to make you qualified for apartment. I don't think most people would say, okay, 30%, that's it. I'm never going to rent again because I, you know, that's too much. But the issue is what apartment can you afford and how far out of the city do you have to move? Yeah, what's the problem of moving out to the outside areas in Brandenburg? The fringes of Brandenburg are shrinking because people aren't living there anymore. This is a real chance for these towns a half an hour, 45 minutes from Berlin to revitalize. They were shrunk after the wall fell. This is a chance for young families to move out to the edges of Brandenburg. Why not? This is a chance for, for suburban Berlin areas to grow again that well, have been shrinking. Well, climate change, um, the cost of gasoline, there Trains. are other factors. There are very good train lines going to these places. They've been there for 100 years. Why can't people commute 45 minutes? I would love to live in Manhattan. I could never afford to live in Manhattan. It's way too expensive. I grew up in Connecticut. My father commuted an hour and a half to the city. What is so abnormal about commuting from outside a city? What God-given right do you have to live in Berlin Mitte? I don't understand that. Right. I mean, to me, that's like the extreme of what we're talking about. I don't think everybody has to live in Berlin or should live in Berlin or wants to live in Berlin Mitte. But the question becomes, if you're already living in the city you're, and you're being forced out, and I know Kala has been heavily involved in one of the solutions that's been approached. I know Eric, I'm sure, is going to have something to say about that. But let me just ask Kala here. Last fall, Berliners passed a referendum demanding city authorities pass a law that would allow for expropriation of apartments owned by large real estate companies. And in fact, your organization is sort of named after that action that's supposed to take place with one of the companies. Kala, bring us up to date on what is happening with that Enteignung or expropriation. Yeah, we had this ballot about this question and uh, approximately 60% of the Berliners uh, said last year that they want to have that, that they uh, asked the Senate to do this kind of legislation. The Senate was then in a very... Um, tricky uh, conflict because two of the parties that are part of the coalitions, the Greens and the left, are more or less in favor of this idea. And the SPD, at least the, the leadership of the SPD, has a lot of problems and troubles with that. So what they did was they, uh, like they did some kind of compromise, and this is that they created an expert commission. And this expert commission shall talk for one year about how to deal with this issue or how to make it happen. And, or do you um, think that is a delaying tactic or do you think they're really going to come up with some answers here that would make expropriation be more palatable to the powers that be? Out of the perspective of the coalition, it's a delaying uh, strategy. Uh, but the question will be, how will this instrument work? Like we send three people inside of this commission, three of our experts. There are other experts that are also in favor of us or that are open minded in this question. And so uh, we are now in a process where we try to organize a political debate about that. And this is a problem we have in the moment that we see the people that are responsible for it, especially the senator for housing, uh, Andreas Geisel, he is doing everything to prevent a really transparent debate about it. Like they had a long discussion in the Senate about the question how this uh, expert commission will be established, uh, how transparent they were 
work and everything. And what we see now is that everything that happens actually is just the opposite. It took two months that uh, there was a homepage uh, where you can see what this uh, commission will do. Till now, we have no protocols from the meetings that were three months ago, stuff like that. So we are in a, in a situation where we are doing on the one side, of course, we are still uh, on the streets fighting for our issues. And on the other side, we have to like uh, tackle the coalition where at least one part of the coalition is not willingly to like accept uh, the majority will of the Berliners. Just think about this for a second. Expropriate housing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Eric, how you feel about that how, as a property owner. How ridiculous can that be? If you have, you want to attract investors, you want to get people to build apartments here, and you're going to expropriate property, you're going to scare investors away. You scared me away. I'm not going to build anything in Berlin. I'm building in Potsdam. It's ridiculous. Communism was pushed out of Berlin 32 years ago. They should take the money and build new housing somewhere else instead of buying back old property, old buildings. It's not going to alleviate the housing shortage at all. Expropriating these apartments is not going to create a single new apartment. The way to solve the housing shortage in Berlin is to build, build, build. No, but Eric, can I interrupt? Yeah, Vipka, go ahead. Um, because the problem is building houses or, or housing, living, is not the same topic like buying a refrigerator or a car. It is a very sensitive topic because a lot of people are, they have to have an apartment, they have to have a place where to live. And we have a big mixture in Berlin, like poor uh, households, not support or like rich house, everybody is living side by side. I think this is a very interesting mixture we have to keep or we want to keep because this makes Berlin colorful. And your opinion that the inner city is only for people with a lot of money only for business, only for tourists. I don't want to have Berlin like this. I want a mixture in Berlin like we had before. And I think it's a goddamn task of the government to make sure that people in Berlin have the right to live here and to be able to afford their apartments. And only to set on the strategy to build, build, build is not the right one because what is built in the past? It was only expensive condominiums which are not for the people who lived in Berlin for years. When you have to keep the mix then you also have to make sure that you build for the one group, but also make sure that the other group with not so many incomes have the right to live here. And I think this is very important and it's a very big task. It's not only a market. Let me bring Barbara into the conversation because, yes, again, I, I don't think in this episode we're going to necessarily reach agreement, but the goal is to have as many voices as possible, you know, presenting their side and hopefully enlightening people. So, Barbara, is expropriation something that's being used in other cities in Europe. I mean, is there are there successful cases of this or has uh, any expropriation that's happened been a failure? Do you agree with Eric's look at this as being sort of a, a vestige of communism, you know, that this is not the way uh, one acts in a, in a capitalist market? Now, first of all, uh, we do not have expropriation in other European cities. So I'm very curious how um, the situation will end up. Um, what we have seen now that there is a large majority of people who said in the referendum, we cannot go on like this. There has to be really a big change. And um, I think it's only fair if a government respects the will of the people, because otherwise we would not need referenda. So I hope that uh, the politicians in Berlin move as fast as possible, because it makes no sense to do it later and later and later because the problems, they are stapling up as we have seen today. Uh, let me just ask though, is the problem in Berlin growing at a faster rate? I mean, the housing shortage, the inflation, the increasing costs, is that 
happening at a faster rate in Berlin than it is elsewhere in European capitals? Unfortunately, uh, this is the problem also in other European capitals and not only the capitals, but also, let's say, uh, small or medium-sized cities, university cities. Um, we do have a kind of yeah structural housing shortage because uh, basically since the years of uh, 2000, not enough new affordable housing has been built. Um, we had a lot of new construction in the expensive sector, um, in the ownership sector, but not in the affordable rental. So this is a structural problem. We do have even figures on that. Um, we see that there is a lack of investment Europe-wide in affordable housing of 57 billion per year. And let me also say something. Uh, let me just ask, when you say 57 billion, you mean euros? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 57 billion euros per year. So um, this is huge. And I would like to say also something to Eric. Um, you know uh, what I see in other uh, European cities? We do have more and more um, city centers, which are more or less reservoirs for the rich. Big financial investors are coming, um, buying all the empty houses or the social housing and affordable housing for sale at the moment. There is a huge concentration on the housing market. And what we see, for instance, in London, the investors buy the apartments and just leave them empty because they will make the profit anyhow. And they are waiting for even more yield and profit. And this is something, I think, um, which we cannot tolerate um, as representatives of the citizens of Berlin. And there has to be a kind of also tax on apartments um, which are deliberately left empty to make more profits. And there has to be a strong policy against this concentration and financialization of housing markets. Now, that, that kind of behavior, asocial behavior, is indefensible. People buying apartments, leaving them empty. Because yeah, we were just talking about that before we started the show about empty apartments in Berlin. Yeah, there's a lot of empty apartments because people are afraid to rent them because they're afraid of all the power that the renters have, which is also ridiculous and it's a sad fact of life in Germany and Berlin. But I mean, I'd just like to say I like the diversity in Berlin's central cities and I'm not saying people with low income shouldn't live there. I'm saying the city should build more low income housing in the center of Berlin as well rather than trying to artificially cap the rents because it doesn't work. Is Berlin a free market or not? And I know you say housing is not a typical piece of merchandise like other things, but a housing market is a housing market and investors will come when there's a chance to build here. I borrow 3 million euros, build apartments here, and I'm hoping that they're going to someday be worth more. When I first started doing this 20 years ago, the value went down at first. It's a pretty scary thing. So it's not always a one-way street. And the rents in Berlin were really, really cheap for like from 2000 to 2015. And all the last five or six years, it's been a scary increase. I agree with that. But the goal isn't to scare people people away, push people away. The goal should be to attract investors because the state doesn't have enough money to build all the housing that Berlin needs. Private investors are the ones that can um, build the housing for low-income housing as well that will create the space that's needed to meet the demand. Berlin is growing like crazy. Berlin needs more housing, full stop. Well, Kawa, let me understand a little bit better about what happens with expropriation. At this point, when do you think realistically this would happen or is it going to happen? And then how do you convert those apartments or how do you make that the affordable housing that everyone, I think, agrees we need more affordable housing? Um, mm. Just how we get to it, I think, is, a, is perhaps a different answer. Yeah. Let me start from one step back. The problem we have is affordable housing. 
And the problem with these big profit-oriented companies is that they bought into the affordable housing structure of Berlin 10 to 15 years ago. So one of the things that we want to do with this uh, socialization approach is to keep this affordable housing. There's all the time they say uh, we don't build new houses or new flats. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty obvious. But what happens now is that with every flat that has got a bondment and is rent out new, we lose an affordable flat. It goes out of the market for six to seven euros and it comes back again for 11 or 15 euros. Per square so, meter, you mean? Per square meter, yeah. We see a, a double of the rent for every flat that is uh, like going rent out uh, new. So what we want to do is in the first phase, we want to socialize it. That means that we have democratic control about the question, how do we organize this stock? And what we can do then is that we, like we do it already with the statehold um, companies, that we can say, okay, politically, you are uh, demand to take this money, you can work with that money, it's uh, like uh, you can finance everything you need with that, but you don't have to get more from the renters. And the second thing is that we can re like really organize this sector. For example, one question we have now, Wipka already mentioned it, that the people don't leave their houses, that they stay, for example, in big flats because they pay less rent and they don't move to a flat that fits for them because they are now living alone, for example, because they are scared that they have to pay even more for a flat that is half big. So what we can do is when we don't organize it via the chaos of market, but via political structures, we can like really make it a place which fits to the demands of the people and well, not to the demands of the investors. I'm not sure a lot of people would like being told by the government, though, where they can live, right? <laughs> like if they came in to me and said, you know what, Soraya, you and your husband and son should be in an apartment that's half that size or should be located in another location. I mean, where, where is that line? For example, I live in a Genossenschaft. And Explain I, a Genossenschaft. Genossenschaft is a non-profit orientated... Uh, cooperative. Um, cooperative. So what I can do there... Uh, when I say, okay, I want to improve myself, I now live in a flat that isn't that large and I want to have 10 to 20 square meters more because maybe I get a child and everything. They look for where can I find a new flat and then I pay there approximately the same square meter uh, than in the flat I am now. So it's not about that the government tells you what to do. It's about creating the opportunity that it's not the market forces you have to apply to, but uh, that you have like really uh, organized structure where you can see where the demands are and uh, to organize that properly. We're going to talk more about solutions to the housing crisis after a short break. Stay tuned to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972.
I'm Verena Hütter, host of The Big Ponder, the Goethe Institute's transatlantic podcast, bringing abstract concepts to life through personal radio essays. Every other week, our producers turn broad topics into captivating stories told from a U.S. and German perspective. You can find all episodes of The Big Ponder on our website, goethe.de, as well as on your favorite podcast apps. And discover the stories behind The Big Ponder on our radio show, Sounding the Big Pond. It is broadcast each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C. We do look forward to connecting with you. Welcome back to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and we are talking about the housing crisis in Berlin and Europe with veteran TV and print journalist Eric Kirschbaum, Bob Steinbergen of the International Union of Tenants, Vipke Werner of the Berlin Tenants Union, and Kalle Kunkel with Expropriate Deutsche Wohnen and Company. Before the break, Babla was describing how the housing crisis is not just a Berlin problem, but a European one. So, Babla, are there countries in Europe that have had some success in increasing access to affordable housing? If so, which ones and what are officials there doing? I would like to come up with two very particular examples. Um, first of all, I would like to point to the Netherlands. In Germany, we always have this tendency and policy to have round tables or alliances for affordable housing. We do have these alliances at federal level and currently also uh, at Berlin level. This sounds all nice, but what is done actually in other cities, uh, it's more concrete and more binding for the actors. In the Netherlands, we have, for instance, a national performance contract between the ministry, between the landlords, between the tenants unions and the representatives of the cities. And this contract, this national performance contract, it was signed in June this year. And um, I think one of the most important issues there is that there is a rent decrease for low-income households of 10% in the Netherlands. This is affecting 510,000 households. This is a lot. The next thing in the Netherlands is that there will be a lower rent increase for the middle-income sector, and it will be connected to the wages. I think this uh, is a very interesting and important point in the debate that we will have later on. And I think this is also important to know that all these performances, signed performance contracts, they are also valid for the private rental sector. So this is not the return to communism, but this is actually something to give a maximum of people security of tenure, which is necessary in these times where we do not have the wage increases as we have it in the rental sector, where we have skyrocketing high increases, which are not kept so far. And the Netherlands are starting with it now. And I think this is very promising, a promising example also for Germany. Vipka, is there something like that in Berlin where wages are tied to or are there proposals afoot uh, to tie wages to rents in Berlin? Because that's a big complaint here is that the wages just don't match the rents. Well, you have some instruments, for example, our municipal housing companies, when you rent an apartment there and your income situation is that uh, you have to afford more than 30% of your income for the rent, then you can go to the landlord and say, hey, please uh, reduce my rent. 
of course, for the unemployed people who get substitution from the job center, there the income situation plays a role for the rent. They can pay they, where the job center takes over the rent. But in the big regulation, so far we don't have a regulation like this. And I'm not sure if it's the right way because what will happen is that the landlords will see, okay, how much uh, is the income? And every time the income is rising, then the, the rents are rising as well. And what we need to get an easier rental market, it's also important to have the affordable housing stock. So we have a, an amount of affordable apartments, which is just set to a limit where it doesn't get more expensive. And as long as the expropriation is not uh, finished, uh, we need also the private landlords, the private companies to create affordable housing. The problem is they are not ready to um, give this promise. And we have in Berlin also this alliance between Senate, uh, the landlords and uh, some other institutions. And we saw it in the last weeks and in the last month. The landlords discuss about the topics, but when it comes to the point where they really have to get into the uh, duty to act, they say, okay, they find holds how to not uh, agree with these um, promises. Not to, not to follow through. Yes. It should be a mixture of live and let live. Eric, the Berlin rent cap or Mietendeckel was overturned by Germany's constitutional court. And obviously some of the other measures that are being discussed seem headed to court as well. Are there other plans in Berlin to keep rents in check that are giving you and other property owners pause? I mean, do you feel that that uh, your investments are not safe? Well, the expropriation discussion really scares me. I mean, it's just crazy. It's um, not going to help build any new apartments. It scares me away. I'd just like to say the reason I started buying property when I was about 40 is my father was a retired New York City teacher, and his pension was $1,000 a month, which covered 25% of his, um, uh, his rent was 25% of his pension early on. But by the time he died, it was 80%. So his pension was being eaten up by rising rents in Connecticut in the 80s. So I decided I didn't want this to happen to me, and that's why I started buying. And that's why I think Berlin, where 85% of the people rent, people should start buying their own apartments well, as a protection. City, does the city do anything, though, to encourage buying? Sure. People were allowed to buy their apartments 25 years ago, but nobody bought them. You could have bought an apartment for 30,000 marks from Berlin. Berlin was bankrupt and you need to get rid of these. And then these other big companies came in and bought them out. But the chance to buy your apartment in Berlin is always there. 85% of the people in Berlin rent because it's so cheap here. It's been historically so cheap. That's the problem. Not enough people own their own apartments. So if there's more people who own their own apartments, they would be protected against all old age um, poverty, the rents wouldn't be rising as much, and the city would be a lot better off if more people had the courage to buy their own apartment. And that, to me, is the big unique thing about Berlin, that so few people own their own apartment. That's completely different than other cities in Europe and in the world. But Eric, um, have you think about the income situation of the Berlin? Maybe the Berlin people are not able to buy their apartments. And the other solution is, or the other question is, um, maybe some people want to be flexible. They don't want to be bounded to a very expensive apartment where they have to pay the rest of their life for just living. And maybe they want to move. And I think so far Berlin and Germany had a very uh, went a good way with this flexible style of uh, renting apartments and owning their apartments. If and you're 
paying 800 euros a month for rent, you can pay 800 euros a month for the mortgage. Why not? Banks will lend you the money, usually, um, and you don't have to stay in that apartment for the rest of the life. You can sell it or move on after 10 years or 15 years, or you can rent it out and move someplace else. I've been buying places and lived there for a while and then moved on, and I just rent them instead of selling. And there's no law against that. You can still be flexible and own an apartment. The thing is, Berlin is just so cheap. And that's what I love about Berlin. My daughter lived here for 300 euros a month in an apartment for a while. It just really was really cheap. And those days are over and they're not coming back. And the dreamers here who think that Berlin's going to be a cheap place for renters again, they're living some kind of crazy illusion. It's not going to happen. Berlin will hopefully never be as expensive as New York or Paris or London or Munich, but it's going to keep getting more expensive here. And the best advice against old age poverty is buy an apartment and just try to make the payments and bite the bullet. And in 10 years, it'll be worth twice as much, probably. Kala, you have, a, you have something you want to add? I must laugh a little bit because I have, uh, for me, it's a little bit an impression of as if we are in the 90s or in the early 2000s, which is what I'm hearing. Like every kind of regulation is communism. You buy your housing and then everything is fine. These are recipes of the 80s and the 90s. This was like the right to buy was the first thing Thatcher did to dismantle the public uh, welfare state of the UK. And now look at London, look at the big cities where there's a lot of private property because uh, then the people went out there uh, or leave their houses and they, they sell it for the double the price and the next time also the double of the price. Flats are no commodity. Well, so and, let me and as much as you say there is no right to live in a city, yes, I say there is a right to the city and there is no right to make profits about the living of the people. That's a, that's a pure fact. And yes, we are in a hard situation and Berlin will not be like as cheap again as it was there. But the question is, do we want to have a city where the financial market, and this is what we talk about, where the financial market sees it as an opportunity for investment and pull out their shareholder value out of it, Or do we want to have a city where the people can live affordable with that? And then I, my question is not how much can uh, be the rent increased every year. My question is how much rent do we need to like maintain the affordable housing? But let me ask then, the main buyers of residential properties in Berlin, are they people like Eric who've built you know, from the ground up? Or are they companies like Deutsche Wohnen or... Uh, yeah, the big thing that happened in the 90s and in the in the early 2000s in Berlin, because of that, this is not right what you t uh, told there. It was like the stocks of the public uh, sector was sold in blocks. Like, for example, the GSV, one of the most famous uh, of the public uh, companies, they were sold 60,000 uh, flats in block. There's no household uh, that can buy that. So this was the entry point for the, uh, of the institutional investors of the financial market in the Berlin housing sector. Because we're running a little short on time, let me just go to the last question for all of you. And that is, what is the solution to this? What is the solution to creating affordable housing? Is it the index meter, which Tagesspiegel says is making a comeback? Is it you know, allowing more freedom and making it more attractive for people to buy Homes? Is it expropriation? Is it a combination? Um, you know, what do each of you uh, think? And I'll start with Babla in Brussels. Do you have any thoughts on that? First of all, we have to realize that housing markets are highly dysfunctional and you have to regulate them to get 
back on track. And um, this is seen uh, not only by representatives of the residents and the tenants, but this is also seen by the governments. I can tell you that uh, we have never had such a concentration on affordable housing policies here at European level as in the last four years. Because we see if there is not enough affordable housing, the economy will also not function. So from the views of the European institutions and from the member states, it's sometimes uh, not a more social debate. It is more a, a, a debate on yeah how to have a better economy. But anyway, it comes to the same uh, solution. We have to recreate affordable housing market and accessible housing markets for everybody. And I do think it is a combination of uh, object and subsidies, uh, which is the best one. I think in the current situation, we definitely uh, need to build more, build, 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 like Eric said, that's right. But we have to be careful what we build. It must be affordable rental housing. It must be cooperative housing with rent caps. If we build social housing, also a question to um, you there in Germany, why can't it be social housing forever? It's only one country in Europe where we have a kind of limitation date of social housing, 15 or 20 years, and then social housing goes back to the normal market. It is just in Germany that social housing is not staying social housing. And what I also wanted to say is we have to think about the policy of land. I think um, one big reason um, for increasing um, housing prices is the scarcity of land. And the land that is left in the hands of the cities it has to be maintained in a very careful way. And cities um, where we have really a huge migration, like Vienna, like Amsterdam, they are starting now with models, which are, I think, quite interesting also for uh, Germany. For instance, in Vienna, if you do a new development in housing, two-thirds of the new development has to be social and affordable housing social for the low incomes, affordable for the middle income groups, with a maximum rent per square meter of five euro. I repeat, five euro. So I think this is interesting. We have the same model now in Amsterdam. There it is a model called 40-40-20. 40% social rent, 40% for the middle incomes, 20% only for the free market. And this is, I think, uh, quite a clever policy because we have to come back to more not-for-profit housing. And not-for-profit housing in the best way is also, I do think, cooperative housing. And there we can learn a lot from our neighbors in Austria, which are there at the forefront in Europe. Vipkick, does that work in Berlin, you think? Or what? Uh, I mean, and we need to keep our answers a little short if we can. We're running short on time. In most points, I agree with Barbara. For a solution, we need a better regulation of rents. We need a rent cap. Uh, even though in Berlin it failed, it would be nice to have it in the federal government so we can put it in the land, uh, in the constitution. But we also need landlords who are aware of their social responsibility. And talking about these long-term bindings in social housing, you need also la the landlords who are ready to act like this. And 
We failed this so far. In the past, Berlin offered a, a financial substitution for social housing. Subsidy, you mean? A subsidy for social housing. And only, to 90%, only the municipal housing companies took use of it. This is a big problem. And you spoke about the index rent. And this is one of the ideas, how the landlords act and how they think. The index rents, so far in the past, they didn't play a big role in Berlin. Now, where the country your price index is rising suddenly the landlords see oh there's a big chance to make money and now all the new contracts that are made I have these index uh, index, index meter, meter. Mm-hmm. and this is ridiculous so I don't really trust most of the landlords that they're really aware of their social uh, responsibility and I wish that there would be more landlords maybe like Eric but I'm not sure after what you said that you really uh, <laughs> think like that that are really feel responsible for the city for this town and who of course, wants to make some money, but also make sure that people do not lose their homes and that households with not so high incomes um, have the possibility to live in Berlin. Um, Eric, again, I, I would ask you guys to keep your answers a little shorter. Um, we're running out of time. Uh, as a landlord, how do you respond? I mean, and do you think... Rent, rent caps are a nightmare and it's a disaster and it's a good thing that the constitutional court struck it down. They scare away investors. They just create a black market. People are going to still need housing and they're willing to pay black market prices. So hopefully Germany will never have a communist style cap on their rents. It's the wrong direction. The answer is build, build, build. Berlin could add a million new apartments. There's 6,000 square quadrat meter of Schrebergarten in Berlin. They could build 500,000 houses on there if they took some of that away. Berlin could raise the number of apartments by building houses higher. There's a 22-meter limit on how high buildings can be now. That could be lifted. This is a rule that was created 150 years ago with, by fire departments that didn't have ladders to go on. Berlin could create so much more housing. Tempelhofer Field is this huge park in the middle of Berlin, a former airport. They could build housing on the fringes of that and still have an enormous but park where there. where would we ride our bikes if they do that? They don't have to do the whole thing. They just need to do a couple hundred meters on the fringe. They could add hundreds of thousands of apartments. Berlin is just hurting itself by not building enough apartments. That's the best way to keep rents from rising far. Just build, build, build. And Berlin is not doing that. Kalle? I can relate to a lot of what Wipke and Barbara said. Uh, and basically, I would And less say, so to Eric. <laughs> less so to Eric. Um, I think we need a big expansion of the public sector. We need, in combination with a good and like teethful um, regulation of the rest like of the market. Like having teeth. Having teeth, yeah. <laughs> regulation that's having teeth for the rest of the market. And therefore, there's a further thing that we didn't discuss about is the possibility for officials to like really enforce these regulations. For example, we have a regulation against abandoned apartments. After one month in a bond and apartment, it's illegal in Berlin. But it, does, it happens all the time. And when you ask at the Bezirksämter uh, what is going on here, they say, oh, we have two people there that can do that stuff. Like when there are evictions, we have hundreds of policemen that can enforce these evictions. But we don't have uh, enough people who enforce the question that there are landlords that keep their flats abundant. So we need the public area um, re-established, we need uh, hard regulations, and we need a a public uh, sphere that can enforce these regulations. 
Well, we are out of time and have to end this very interesting discussion. My guests today are Babla Steinbergen, who heads the EU Liaison Office of the International Union of Tenants, Vipke Verno, who is Deputy Manager of the Berlin Tenants Union, Kalle Kunkel, a Berlin activist with the campaign Expropriate Deutsche Wohnen and Company, and veteran TV and print journalist Eric Kirschbaum, who is a property owner in Berlin. Thanks to all of you for being on Common Ground Berlin. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed. Our social media editor is Stefano Montali. And I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Common Ground Berlin is funded by a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. Our partners are the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Goethe Institute. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast. If you are on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground Berlin. You can also subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.